0: Well, if you have a Bible, I invite you to take it up and uh, to turn with me to the book of Proverbs. If you don't have a Bible and you would like to follow along, which we would encourage you to do, you can find um, a Bible. There's a book in the pew back in front of you, and that's a Bible, and we'd love for you to join us. Uh, I invite you to turn to Proverbs chapter 3, which I think uh, in the uh, pew Bible is page 517, 12, somewhere in there, early 12, 512, according to the screen. Um, or you can always download the Grove Church app, and you can go to the Bible tab, and you can find it there. We have been, uh, if you haven't been with us, then we've been working our way. We decided this fall to go through, go back to school, if you like, to go back to class. We're going to a series called Whizlit 101. Wisdom Literature 101, the foundations of that through the book of Proverbs. If you've ever tried to read the book of Proverbs straight through, it's a little bit like um, a whole bag of fortune cookies. and You just keep opening fortune cookies, and there you get another one, and you get another one. That's kind of what it feels like when you're reading through the book of Proverbs. All really good stuff. Just so what we've decided to do each week is to take a different theme or a different topic and look at what the, 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 what the book of Proverbs has to say. And the premise of it, and why you say, why would we do this? Well, because I don't think any of us here came into this room or gets up in the morning and says, I really hope I make a bunch of stupid decisions today. My plan is to live a life that's completely foolish. Nobody does that. We all hope we're making wise decisions. We all hope we're going to to do good things. And so we as Christian people have said, if that's the case and we want to go to the place of wisdom that comes from heaven, the very wisdom that comes down from God. That's in his word. And so here is, if you like, the the overarching theme uh, for our study. And it goes like this, that God made you, that God loves you, that God wants to guide you because he wants you to be wise. That God made you. He, He made all things. He made all things, including you. You're a part of that, that he loves you first and foremost, or most, most obviously in the gift of his son to live the life you couldn't live, to die in your place in order that you might have a relationship. That's a show of his extreme love for us, but he is for you. God is for you. He made you. He's for you. And he says, I want to be able to guide you. I made you. I know you. I want to guide you into a life that is wise. And, and so last, last week, we had uh, time looking at uh, the, uh, the, object, or the, the subject of rest, that God wants us to have this deep abiding rest, the soul rest in him. And so we spent time, if you want to, you can go to the website or to the Grove app, and you can watch that if you like. But as a part of that, we said that the deep abiding rest for the Christian comes as we uh, abide in Jesus, we abide in him. And one of the questions I asked is, how is your, how's your prayer life? How is your communication with God? Are you and Jesus on speaking terms? Because if we want to have the wisdom that comes from God, then we need to be in communication with the God of wisdom if we're going to be able to live the wise life and to be able to receive his counsel. Now, I, I, I admit to you that, that prayer, and so the topic we'll, look, we'll, we'll be looking at today is prayer, and I admit to you that I think prayer can be a very challenging topic not just a topic, but it can be very challenging to do. I think praying for 30 minutes, 30 minutes of prayer is harder than preaching for 30 minutes. Because, you know, I don't know, I've never once, as as bad as my sermons have been, and I know as as some of you have have checked out, I know, but as bad as some of them, in the midst of preaching them, never once have I forgotten that I'm preaching. Never once. I've always remembered that there are people staring back at me when and there are words coming out of my mouth. I, I always remember even if I go even if my mind is saying this is going horribly bad and I can't wait to step off the platform I still know I'm preaching. But in prayer have you has this ever happened to you where you're sitting there and you're intent to pray to Jesus and you're praying and the next thing you know you're thinking about the Vikings. You're going, how did I get here? How did I they obviously need prayer, but still I mean how how did I get here? Like Or you find yourself, just your mind completely wandering onto something, and you go, that's three weeks from now. What am I? We need, at at the very heart, at the very heart of prayer, is admitting that you are not God and that you are in need of the one who is. At the very heart of what it means to pray is saying that I am confessing that I am not God and i need god in my life prayer is a cry for god to be god in my life or one as one writer says to fail to pray is not merely to break some re- re- some religious rule it is a failure to treat god as god the very essence of what it means to pray is to say i am not god of the universe or of my life and i am dependent Upon the one who is the God of the universe and of my life. That's what it means to pray. So I want to use the balance of our time to explore four things, if you like, that you need to be praying for. Four things that we need to pray for. And the first is this. We need to pray for God. Pray for God. Uh, Proverbs 15, verse 29. Chapter 15, verse 29. Says this. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears... The prayer of the righteous. The Lord is far from the wicked, but He hears the prayer of the righteous. The Lord is not close to, the Lord is not near, the Lord is distant from those who walk in the way of wickedness, those who walk in the way of foolishness. He's not near them, but the Lord is near to, the Lord is close to, the Lord leans into those, and He listens to the prayers of those who are the righteous. Now, we need to take a moment and just hold on for a second because, you know, we, we, we hear the term wicked and we go, yeah, I'm not. I'm pretty sure I've done some bad things, but I'm not wicked. I don't know wicked, that seems, mm, you know, and then, and then we go, but then there's righteous and that feels, I don't know about that either. I mean, because that's kind of a big word and I'm not, mm, what, what are we actually talking about here? What, what, is, what, is the, what, is, what is the writer actually trying to tease out? Well, of course, there's the way of the wickedness and the way of foolishness and the way of righteousness, but what he's talking about or what he's talking about here doesn't mean perfect, and it doesn't mean that they're sinless. What it means, uh, author Jean Jones, she writes, and she says this, When the scriptures call uh, call some people the righteous, these are those whose faith in and love for God causes them to order their lives according to God's laws. God bestows righteousness on them because he counts faith as righteousness. So the righteous are those who are not perfect, who are not sinless, but those, according to Jones, who says that they have faith in and love for God, and it causes them to order their lives according to God's desires, according to God's laws. They want to submit themselves to God and say, my highest goal is that I might be able to honor you. Those are the righteous. So if you're here this morning as a follower of Jesus Christ and your greatest goal in life is to honor God and bring Him glory, you are the righteous. And so he says, who is it that God listens to? God hears the prayers of those who are in relationship with Him. God draws near to those who, have, who live according to their word, who order their lives for His glory, that He listens to the prayers of those who are His children. You know, because prayer is primarily about relationship. Prayer is primarily about relationship. Prayer is about us pursuing God in conversation, and it's about God pursuing us. It's it's about relationship. The challenge is we have a tendency to think of prayer as transactional, not relational. We think of it as transactional, you know, you, you have a transition, you have a transaction that happens. I need something, I go buy it, we have a transaction, I, I give money, I get my stuff, I leave the store. That's a transaction, that's how it happens. That's how we have a tendency to go to God. God, I need to do really well in this test. And so we pray, and then we, 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 we hope, that, hope that God helps us on the test, right? Or God, I, my, my, I need this, my children to act in this way. Or God, my, my relationship with my spouses, whatever. And so we come as a sort of transactional relationship. But that's not, what, that's, not, that's not the prayer that we're called into. The prayer that we're called, those are important things, and we need to pray about those things. But ultimately, prayer is about relationship with God. It's at its heart, it's relational. It's not transactional. The end goal of prayer is not answered prayers. The end goal of prayer is not stuff. The end goal of prayer is God, full stop. The reason we pray is not to get the good gifts of God. The reason we pray is to get God. That's it. It's relational in nature. The Apostle Paul prayed this for people all the time. All throughout his letters, he was praying. Let me just give you one example from Ephesians chapter 3. Look at what Paul has to say. For this reason, so he's, he's, he's writing to the church in Ephesus. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name i pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so what's he praying for i'm praying that he will strengthen you with power but through his spirit in your inner being so that christ may dwell in your hearts through faith so that christ may dwell in your hearts he says i'm praying you get god i'm praying you get christ and then he continues and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. He says, I want you to have Christ, that he's dwelling in you. And I'm praying that you will experience how, how high and how wide and how long and how deep this love of God is for you. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to all of the measure of the fullness of God. I'm praying that you experience the fullness of God, that you get God. This is what he's praying for these people because this is the essence of prayer itself, that we get God. I often work this out, and, and these, you can work these things out in pretty simple ways. But I, we, we get requests to pray for people all the time, and, and we do, and we love to, to do it, and pray for significant requests. And important things. But I will often be praying that they will say <coughs> someone is asking for healing, that they will receive the physical healing. And then I will pray in addition to that, and God, that you may provide for them spiritual healing. And, and what I mean by that is this, that they may be able to experience you by their spirit into the deep recesses of their heart in a way that as they walk through this, whether or not you heal them or not, they experience you in the deepest, richest way that they never would have experienced you before. And we're praying that God, by his spirit, will minister into the deep recesses of people's heart that they might know the fullness of the love of Jesus Christ in their hearts. This is what we pray for. This is what we want to we'll belong for. This is the essence of prayer. A couple of weeks ago, I had uh, one of my best friends, and I've known him since, I don't know, I was junior high or something. And so we've, we've known a lot of things about one another. and In our, our relationship together, we've been through a lot. He stood in my wedding, I stood in his. You know, we were reflecting when we were together that his, his daughter, who is now a senior in high school, that when his wife gave birth to their daughter, I was the first person that was at the hospital. I was a single dude i didn't know anything about marriage or about babies but i knew something big happened and i better show up so i did because he was my friend here's the thing about when he was in town and we sat over a meal together i said to him you know with him i can just i can just be me just in his presence i can just be me i don't have to be pastor i don't have to be dad I don't have to be neighbor. I don't have to be coach. I can just be me. I can just be me. And it would be weird if I tried to, I I prefer that you call me pastor. He'd smack me upside the head. Rightly rightly so. But that's prayer. God knows you. Because he made you. And he loves you. He says, I know you. Just come be in my presence. I want to guide you into my presence where you can be fully known and accepted and loved by me. That's prayer. We pray for God, for his presence, for him. Second, we pray for his guidance. This is the text that's in front of you, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. If your Bibles are still open, uh, pretty familiar verses. You may have seen this on a calendar or a T-shirt or a coffee mug somewhere. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, and in all your ways submit to Him, and He will make your paths straight. I really like this. I, I want to trust in the Lord with all my heart. I, I want to submit all my ways to Him. I want to be able to trust Him. I want to do that. And after all, I mean, I'm a pastor. You'd expect that. Well, sure. You should. Isn't that a that part of the job? Isn't that? Well, not really. But yeah, I I want that. I want to be able to do that, but here's the deal. I tend to lean on my own understanding a lot. I don't know about you because I, you know, because I like my ideas, because I think they're pretty good ideas, and I think myself to be a fairly reasonable person, and therefore, I think that everybody who ought to be reasonable should be thinking along these, these lines, and so therefore, I want to lean on my own understanding. I may not be the smartest guy in the room. I might not be top shelf, but I'm doing okay. I think it's all right, you know, pretty reasonable. But then what happens? Well, life happens. Life has a way of not being reasonable sometimes. Life has a way of being confusing. Life has a way of totally throwing us off our rhythm, making us lose our mojo. We can get frustrated because it wasn't supposed to be like this. Because you were supposed to have more money by now. Because you were supposed to live happily ever after. Because... The word cancer was maybe for other families but not for your family and certainly not in your doctor's appointment because your kids were supposed to, to bring you honor and glory instead of frustration and heartache because your boyfriend was supposed to fill in the blank because life gets in the way and life gets hard. And at the heart of prayer, you are admitting that you are not God and you are in need of him. When we pray, we acknowledge that I am not the God of my life. And it is us going and saying, I will submit my way to the Lord. I will submit to the Lord and ask for his guidance. I will go to the one who is. It is to commit ourselves to God is to say, God, all that is in front of me, all that is before you, I lay down before you and ask you to lead me and ask you to guide me. I need you to show me. We need his guidance in every aspect of life. We need to commit our ways to him because he always knows what is best for us. We think we know what is best for us. We lean on our own understanding because we think we know what is best. We think we know what is right. But the bottom line is we don't. Because we're marred by sin. Because our thinking and our logic is tainted. But God's is not, and he knows what is best. And so the most reasonable thing to do is to lay everything out before him who knows perfectly. And that is what we're called to do. To submit to him, and he will make our path straight. He will show us the way forward. One of the simple ways that I do this is Often before a meeting or before an interview, I will be in prayer. We say, well, Let's pray. And among other things that I pray for, I'll pr- often pray, God, will you, by your Spirit, steer us towards things that are helpful and away from things that are unhelpful in order that you may receive all of the glory? It's that simple. It, having, a, having a posture, but recognizing, Look, I don't know what's best humbling ourselves before God who does know what is best for us and saying, God, I don't know what's best. We have a way that we think might be best, but we want to ask you to guide us towards the right thing and away from the wrong thing in order that you may ultimately receive praise and glory and honor. You know, some of the, some of the times it's hard for us. We lean on our own our understanding and don't submit our ways to God because if we're honest... We think God might screw it up. God, you, but if I can just, if I can just twist a little, if I can just turn a little, if I can, then, then I'll get what I want. And because God, he, I don't know. Can I challenge that just a, a, just a little? Proverbs sixteen three says this: Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and He will establish your plans. I find that to be very, under like, I understand the logic of going, yeah, but if I really trust God, he might screw it up. And you know what that is? It's just bad theology. It's a wrong understanding of God. It's not trusting, it's not showing God to be the one who actually has revealed himself. Because what? Because God loves you. Because he made you. He loves you. He is for you. And now he says, I want to guide you into what is right for you because I'm the one who made you and knows what's right for you. I'm the one who made. I'm the one who did all this. You don't even know. So submit to me. So humble yourself because I want to establish your plans. When you align yourself with me, when you are dependent upon me, then I will make your way straight and I will establish your plans because I am for you. I am for you. So we pray for his guidance. We pray for God himself. We pray, thirdly, for help. We pray for help. Proverbs chapter 2 verses 1 through 4 read this way. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turn your ear to, to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, if you look for it as silver and search for it as hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So what he's saying here. We need to ask for help. We need to turn our ear towards wisdom. We turn our heart toward understanding. If we cry out for, if we cry out for, or call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, if we call out to him and ask for his help, if we search for it as silver and hidden treasure, then we will understand the wisdom and the knowledge of God. We will understand that God wants to help us in everything he and his help is worth more than silver or hidden treasures that's why we need to call out for it and ask for his help and we are to ask that god wants to help us in all that we do and even in the normal stuff of life but i want to ask you this question how good are you at asking for help how good are you at asking for help Uh, I was reminded yesterday that I'm not particularly great at it. Uh, my, my boys and I, we were, our family was in Target. We were getting, you know, Target things. And while we were there, um, you know, cr- kind of cruising around, um, then we had to go get, my, my son needed a, a lock for his locker, uh, for his gym locker, because some punk kid stole it. And so if you know him, a kid who needs a beat down from Maple Grove Junior High, let me know. Um, I got some words for him. But anyway, it's going to cost me another six or eight bucks or whatever it was. So, so, you know, the girls were doing their thing, and they sent us on errands, and one of the errands that we were going to go find is to go find a lock for the gym locker, um, and so we went looking, and it, you know, we spent like 15 minutes meandering around the store looking for the locks, right? Um, we've, we found bike locks. We found, you know, light bulbs. We found lots of other stuff. We didn't find locks, and so my conclusion was Target doesn't sell them right? Obviously, I mean, we look for 15 minutes. They're not there. Target sells a bunch of stuff. Apparently, they don't sell locks, and then they dutifully sort of like, ah, whatever, okay, then we move along, right? This is me, you know, leading my boys in the wisdom and guidance of their dad. Um, so, so then the girls rejoin us, and then we go to Halloween stuff, because it's Halloween time, and we go to the Halloween section, and then as right as we're walking towards the Halloween stuff, then right across the aisle, all of a sudden, it's like, ooh, there are the locks, Apparently Target does sell them. How much help did I ask for? None. Because, and the boys were even like, I wish there was like a searchable thing, like, but there's people, you know, that walk around the store with, it's hard to ask for help. I but you ever notice how children ask for help and they, they have no problem asking for it. Young children ask for When we were uh, still in Ohio, one of the things that my wife and I did was we volunteered to go into the elementary school that my boys were at and do lunchroom duty, which was a lot of fun. I mean, because it was just really making fun of young kids, which was fantastic for me, except for when it's brunch for lunch day, which is terrible because there's syrup everywhere. It's nasty. Anyway, whoever decided that was a good idea should be, anyway, we'll talk about that another day but I was there and we were there and these kids they would just raise their hand and for anything they would for, 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 for their juice boxes you know to, in order to be able to get their, their tie their shoes make sure they got all their stuff because why because they knew they needed help because here these, you can get but th- for whatever reason the older we get all of a sudden we become arrogant we become somehow think that we don't need help anymore there could not be any, there could not be any more backwards from a spiritual perspective Oftentimes when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we come with all of this bravado, we come with all of these things, but the more we walk with him and the more we learn of his faithfulness and the more we talk to him and the more we engage with him and pray to him and the more he answers our prayers, the more often we come to him and recognize our need of help. And in this walking of the journey with him and we come in childlike faith. And that's the journey of every day for us. That's the journey where we are called. We pray for help. We pray for help. Because He knows. Because He knows what's going on. One of the practices that I've been doing lately is that I've just been turning my thoughts into prayers. Unfortunately, uh, this often comes at like 3.30 or 4 in the morning or I'd rather be sleeping and having dreams that maybe could be turned into prayers. Instead, they're thoughts that wake me up. But I've decided that that's a good time. God has done this on purpose for me in order that I might be able to pray and turn that thought or those things or those worries or those concerns into prayers. In between services, there's a gentleman who came and says, you know, I work by myself all day. I pray all the time. I said, well, that's great. He says, yeah, most of the time. Sometimes it's hard. But I say walking and engaging and praying with God because he made you and he loves you and he wants to help you. Well, finally, a fourth thing. The fourth thing is to pray for forgiveness. Pray for forgiveness. Proverbs 28, 13 says, Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. You know, God knows everything, and most of the time, that's a great encouragement to us. We go, God knows everything that's in my life. He knows everything, and yet sometimes, if we're honest, God knowing everything is actually, some of you, that's why you don't really want to be here this morning. Because you know that God knows everything and there's something you're concealing in your heart. There's parts of your life that you don't want God to see. You don't want anyone to see. You don't want to look into yourself and they're concealed there. But according to the wisdom of Proverbs says, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper. And you know the weight that comes with concealed sin. You know the burden. You know the shame. You know the concern. You know the fear. It's all there. And that's the burden that you bear every morning when you wake up. And that's the burden that you take to bed with you every single evening. And the scriptures say, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. God is eager to, for you to reveal to him the things that you are concealing in your heart. Do you, do you hear that? It's not because God doesn't know. But he wants you to take the step of revealing to him the things that you're trying to conceal in order that you might receive the mercy that comes from your heavenly Father, in order that you might be able to receive the grace, in order that you might be able to receive afresh and anew the forgiveness that comes only through Christ for you. But we want to hide our sins. Because we are ashamed, because you're guilty, because you feel afraid, because you feel embarrassed, because we feel like we should be better than this, because we shouldn't be struggling with this. Listen, Jesus came and lived the perfect life in your place and he died on the cross for that sin and now he and his body and blood are calling for you to, to turn from your sin and walk out into the light into his marvelous light for you, into freedom, into hope, into joy, away from shame, away from darkness, away from fear. He says, if you will trust me, if you will just come to me, I'm beckoning for you to come. This is the life that I have bought for you, friends. This is what I have done for you, if you'll just come. But what that requires is that you confess. It means that you need to name it. It means that you need to own it, and it means that you need to be specific with the Lord. That whatever it is, that today might be the day where you once and for all name it, you own it, and you are specific before God, and you step, you walk out of the shadows and into the light, you walk out from under the burden into the beauty of of mercy and grace and forgiveness that comes only from Christ. You don't know you see, Jesus made you and he loves you so deeply that it's a burden for him to watch you walk on this way. And he says, if you'll just come, if you'll just walk out from this, this is what I've bought for you. This is what I've done for you. Let me guide you into forgiveness and healing and wholeness. And maybe some of you have never ever known the forgiveness that comes from God. You've never experienced it. Maybe today God by His Spirit is stirring in your heart. Maybe today is the day of salvation for you where you've never ever walked out of darkness and into the light that comes from Christ. If that's you and if God is drawing you right now then I want to I want to lead us Into a prayer. And I want you to pray, if God is stirring in your heart, that you would pray along with me. And then a couple of words of instructions. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, I admit that I am weaker and more sinful than I'd ever before believed. But through you, I am more loved and accepted than I ever dared hope. I thank you for paying my debt for bearing my punishment, for offering me forgiveness. I turn now from my sin and receive you as my Savior. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We have a team of people after every service that are here, our prayer team, that would love, if you prayed that prayer in the quietness of your own heart, they would love to talk with you about it. Anyone with a Grove Church lanyard would love to talk to you about these things because there's nothing more important and walking out of darkness and into the light of Christ and knowing his forgiveness.